0: Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. So why did those Greeks want to see Jesus? I'm sure you caught that at the beginning of the account that was read from St. John's Gospel, some Greeks, some Gentiles who had been converted to faith in the one true God, they were visiting Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. They recognized that one of Jesus' followers, Philip, had a Greek name. So he's the one that they respectfully approached. He's the one that they came to and said, "We, we would like to see Jesus. And why? I think the answer is pretty obvious from what had happened just a, just a few short days earlier. Jesus had been in the, in the village of Bethany. He had stood before the place where his friend Lazarus lay entombed. Lazarus had died four days earlier. And Jesus stood before the tomb and he shouted, Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus came out, alive, perfectly healthy, ready to go back home and and resume his earthly life. So now these Greeks visiting Jerusalem want to talk to Jesus and and ask him the same question that you and you or i might have asked him so they might have asked him lord what's what's next next on your docket what other death defying life giving miracle do you have in mind and might that include us i mean we we too have lost loved ones we too are are facing the the prospect of death ourselves, like everybody else in Jerusalem, we all wanna know, we all wanna know this, Lord, when are you gonna do something like that again? And raise some more people from the the grave. Philip, we're told, here's their request. He grabs his fellow disciple Andrew they they re- relay the request for a face to face with they relay that to Jesus and and Jesus stands before the crowd a crowd that included no doubt his the rest of his disciples a crowd that also included many who just the previous day had had shouted his palm sunday praises had called him the the King of Israel and the son of david he he stood before them all, who all were wondering that very same thing, like who all were wondering so Lord, what's next in your docket? What death defying life giving miracle do you have in mind next, and does it include us? does it include our our own dearly departed loved ones he He stood before that crowd and he He dropped his bombshell. He said, the hour has come. The hour has come for me, the Son of God and Son of Man, to be glorified. The hour has come for my Father in heaven to be glorified. And that's going to happen when I... Jesus, am lifted above the earth and in public view when I experience an agonizing, humiliating, heart-wrenching death on a cross. Of course, Jesus doesn't say that with a, with a big smile on his face. His own soul is troubled by what's about to take place. His own soul is troubled by the fact that some people are going to hear this and then they're going to have to witness this. So having having dropped his bombshell, St. John later on says, Jesus left the crowd and hid himself from them. So did the, did the Greeks who were visiting Jerusalem for the Passover did they ever get a, a face to face with Jesus? Scripture doesn't say, but I I wonder whether they ever did. Not, not that Jesus stayed in hiding. No, this was this was Monday of that Holy Week. Just the day before, he had come in to hear those Palm Sunday hosannas. The next day, Tuesday. He was very much out in public. He was in the temple courtyards uh, teaching his disciples, warning those who hated him to repent before before it was too late for them. Talking about the, the kingdom of God, how God operates. Teaching Tuesday, it's called, very much in public. The following day, quiet or silent Wednesday, and then Holy Thursday. Holy Thursday, the the last supper with his dear disciples. And after that, he and they headed to the nearby Mount of Olives to the place called Gethsemane. He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Once again, quite obviously, Jesus' own soul was deeply troubled. He was deeply troubled by the the very near impending being lifted above the earth and, in the view of all, suffering himself and agonizing, humiliating, heart-wrenching death we're told he took three of his disciples Peter James and John to be closer to where he would pray so that they could watch and they could listen and and themselves pray for him and then he said to them my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground. My father, he prayed, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, this cup of suffering, yet not as I will, but as you will. He went back to Peter, James, and John, found them sleeping. He went away a second time and and prayed, My father, if it is not possible that this cup be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Went back, the disciples still sleeping. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, praying the same thing. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Growing up, my parents had a a framed print on the wall at home. You may have seen it. It's called... Christ in Gethsemane. The, the painter, an American named Warner Salman, did an exceptional job with his portrayal, except for one thing. Yeah, in, in his painting, he has in the on the left, in the distance, there's the the buildings of Jerusalem nearby. They're under a starry moonlit sky and and a little closer, just a stone's throw away from Jesus, the the forms of three sleeping disciples. And and up close in the painting, there's Jesus and he's, he's leaning over a large flat rock and his arms are stretched out in front of him and his hands are clasped together in prayer. The one thing that the painting did not get was that Jesus in the painting appears to be composed almost calm as he prayed to his father. Whereas the real Jesus was in such torment, his sweat fell from his his face like drops of blood pouring from a wound. In the meantime, we're told by this writer to the Hebrews from which we heard, Jesus offered up prayers and urgent requests with loud shouts and and, and tears, weeping at the injustice of it all and the indignity and the pain of what was about to take place, shouting desperately, desperately, if if there was another way, if that one other way were possible, You understand that, don't you? I think we're all troubled when an innocent bystander is, is taken down by some terrible accident or, or an, an act of violence. We're all deeply disturbed when a child who's really done nothing wrong, suffers abuse, maybe even death at the, at the hand of a, of a deranged adult when the innocent suffer, when when those who have themselves done nothing wrong, when that happens, you you have to wonder, how could that have happened? And could it possibly have been avoided? And now here's, here's the dear, only begotten Son of God. Here's true God from true God from eternity, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary, the God-man, yeah, he's been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet he's never done anything wrong. He's never once disobeyed the will of his Father in heaven. He's innocent to a degree that no one else has ever been innocent. So now he weeps, now he shouts his urgent requests, now he he suffers the torment that he knows will only intensify when he's lifted up from the earth on the cross. You and I can't watch this passively. You and I, in fact, are, are deeply invested in what happened at Gethsemane, what Jesus was praying about. We're personally involved because in the words of the the prophet Isaiah, the innocent son of God, took up our pain. He was pierced with nails and spear for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The prophet writes, we all like sheep have gone astray. from the the good that God wants us to do, from the purity in which God wants us to live. We've strayed from the path of the the kindness and the generosity and the self-control and the love even for our enemies that that God actually commands of us. Yes, in in the words of the prophet Isaiah, we all, like sheep, have gone astray, Each of us has has turned to our own ways, and the Heavenly Father laid on his Son, Jesus, the iniquity of us all, that he might suffer grievously for it, that he might die for it when he was lifted up on that cross so we regularly yes we regularly confess our sins we, we we routinely admit admit our failings we 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 pray god have mercy on me a sinner but we don't beat ourselves up for them we we dare not do that we we, we dare not be so foolish as to to a- agonize over our wrong we we we, we certainly stop from talking about how how guilty we feel about that Good Friday or about the sufferings of Christ. Because listen to what the Holy Spirit says. When Jesus was crying out in Gethsemane, Father, not what I want, but what you want. When God's own Son was pleading that obedient, my Father, let your will be done. When God's own Son was praying in Gethsemane about what was going to happen next, the Heavenly Father did not ignore his request. He, he heard him because of his, of his reverent, awestruck submission to his will. And then, well, the Son of God proved himself and his Heavenly Father to be extraordinary, to be glorious. He proved his submission to the will of the Heavenly Father as he waited in that garden till the betrayer arrived. And he was handed over to, to those who arrested him and went along with them quietly. He stood silent as first one legal proceeding and then another legal proceeding convicted him of crimes of which he was not guilty. He went cooperatively along with the soldiers as they took him out to the hill outside Jerusalem, laid him over that cross, pierced his hands, pierced his feet, lifted him up. He proved his love, his love for you, with his innocent suffering, and death. And these words from Hebrews chapter 5, once he reached his goal, once he spoke those great words, it is finished, and died, once he reached his goal, He became the source of eternal salvation to all who believe him in faith, having carried out the will of the Father, gloriously so. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him in faith. Over the past several Sundays, you've seen and heard a repeated theme. Seen it on, a, on the front of the worship folder. However, now and then, the best way to deal with something is to bury it. So one Sunday, holy scripture pointed out that the best way to deal with our, our greedy desire for worldly gain is to bury it in repentance and, and rise up for heavenly gain. In another Sunday, the, the Holy Spirit's writers pointed out that the, the best way to deal with our I'm smarter than you, God, wisdom is to, to bury that sort of wisdom and embrace God's eternal wisdom instead. And still another Sunday, God and his word demonstrated that the best way to deal with our attempts to, to work our way into God's favor is to bury bury that lost cause and rise up to embrace the gift, his saving grace. As St. John has recorded here, Jesus speaks of each of his followers as if we are seeds who need to be buried to our worldly ambitions and our worldly desires and rise up to to live in keeping with his will instead. And all this began that one holy week. Jesus Christ identified himself as the Son of God by, by raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. And then, willingly and knowingly, he entered the city where he knew his enemies were conspiring to kill him he heard, yes, requests from, from others for a, a face-to-face so that they maybe could ask him for some temporary solution to their problems, even to death itself, in a temporary way. He clearly was troubled knowing what really had to take place. He pleaded with his father that they might, there might possibly be some other way Yet clearly, Jesus himself was and is the way. And clearly, Jesus himself was willing to submit to his father's extraordinary plan that that he would be the one. And clearly, Jesus himself was the, the first seed to die, to be buried, to like a seed that has been buried into the, in the ground, spring up to produce many seeds, many seeds, you and I included, many seeds who would themselves die to worldly ambitions and, and temporary pleasures and live for God eternally. Clearly, oh, this is so clear from Scripture, Jesus Christ himself, by his extraordinary work, by his death on the cross, proved to be the source, the capital S source of eternal salvation from sin and fear and guilt and death itself, so that all who have trusted in him might live eternally. Yes, in his words, that's what draws you and me to him. And and to that cross, that's what draws all sorts of people to him. That's what makes Christ so glorious. And yes, that's what makes the Heavenly Father who sent him so extraordinary. Amen.